You are spending money with the full intention of throwing it away. Throwing it away. Yeah. Pull yourself out of autopilot and be incredibly intentional. Stop thinking about the things that you want and then you stop spending as much money. Are you a six-figure household, but you're struggling to build wealth? Money isn't a problem, yet you don't have a financial strategy. You and your spouse just can't seem to get aligned and it's holding you back. Welcome to Rad Money, the finance podcast for millennial married couples. We're Rebecca and Dylan. And our goal with this podcast is to help you stop arguing about money so you can start building real wealth. Because the world needs more good, wealthy people. Welcome to today's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Today's episode is all about if you are anti-budget, you'd have a lot of resistance to using your budget, but you want to be better with how you manage money. But a budget just feels too scary and you're not interested in feeling restricted and all that sort of stuff. We're going to be sharing three ways to improve your money management without using a budget. But if you use a budget, it's still going to be pretty helpful. And speaking of resistance, most people think that when they work with us that we are going to give them a financial diet that's just going to be absolutely miserable, that they can't spend any money how they want. It's no more fun. They aren't allowed to do anything that they enjoy anymore. That's what people think sometimes when they think of financial coaching. Our program is not like that at all. We believe through a well-balanced approach of managing your finances, reaching your goals, and having fun with your money that you will have the most sustainable long-term growth possible when it comes to money management. And through this program, we will make sure that you and your spouse come eye to eye, start to agree more about what you should be doing so that you can start reaching those financial goals. Through our 90-day program for married couples, we help you and your spouse get aligned and organized with your finances so you can start spending more money the way that you want and actually start reaching your financial goals at the same time. Rebecca and I believe that it's all about balance when it comes to your personal finances. It's not a feast or famine sort of approach where you totally cut everything out. That's not sustainable and it will not get you where you want to go in the long run. So this is a reminder that we have a special offer that ends one week from today. You can save $500 on this marriage and money program if you complete an application and get the process started before July 29th and you'll actually pay $1,997 for our coaching program. So the link is below in the show notes. So get your application in today. Don't hesitate. This is so critical. We never do this. We've never discounted our services, especially this much. So get your application in today. Let's go. Let's get you started on this journey. It's going to be the best thing you could ever do for your relationship and for your net worth. But with all of that housekeeping is out of the way, let's talk about the three ways that you can improve your money management without even using a budget. I want to clarify before we really get going that this is not us saying that you don't need to budget. We we believe that one of the best ways to manage your money better and to start getting results is to budget. But these are things that you can do without a budget to start actually seeing results. And if you're using a budget, like Rebecca said at the beginning of the episode, these will help you improve your habits and behaviors so that your budget is even more effective. Yeah, so whether you're using a budget or not, let's really talk about what what the role of a budget really even is. Okay. So a, the... Role that a budget really plays, we talk about this a lot in our our program, the the cash flow freedom framework, that the role of the budget is really all about spending habits. That's really what it's there for and why it's so important. It's such a critical part of your financial picture. It's such an important part of your money management. Budgets are really, really critical. And while we totally get why a lot of people have a lot of resistance there, the fact is that that's the role that they play. 
is they're going to give you that insight on your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month spending habits. What are the transactions that you make on a day-to-day basis? Where are you actually putting your money? Where is it going? And gives you that insight so that you can not only see what's happening, but you can track what's happening. And then you can start to start to make the changes that you really want to make. Right. You're, you're following the money. Yeah. Essentially, um, you're really looking at what's, what's going on under the hood. And so that's what a budget really does. But the thing is, there are a lot of things you can do to also improve that money management without getting into those details. Or if you just want to be even better at your budget, like you said, these tips are going to just make you that much more effective because it is a really big mindset game to take those numbers and turn it into how you actually behave. Right. There's one thing about creating the budget while you're inside your home at the computer working and then going out into the real world and taking action. This really is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to your budget. But also you can just use these tools to be more effective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that example of, yeah, when you're sitting there creating your budget, it's completely theoretical. Right. And I mean, you're, you should be basing it off of, you know, your spending analysis and all the data that you have from your bank accounts and bank account statements. But really, it's all theoretical until you put it into action. Right. And so this is the putting it into action. That's yes. really what this is. And, and yeah, anybody can really use this. I mean, because you can create a budget that's absolutely BS. I mean, I could, I got this very, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's you like, sure can. I mean, a it's lot like, of people oh, do. I, I would love to save 90% of my income. Well, is that even freaking possible? You know, it's like I, you can create the most ideal budget, but then when it comes to actually taking the action, what are you going to do? Because yeah. it's, I'm not trying to knock other people in the industry, but people who just hand you a budget and say, here, this is what I suggest you do. It's like, yeah, let's see if that actually works, right? Like, because if you, the listener, didn't create this, if I just handed you a budget and said, this is how you should live your life, you're not going to listen to me anyways. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's knocking anybody. It's just a very obvious gap in the financial space that we honestly filled. And that's why we came into existence was because we were like, it doesn't work that way. Right. If you want to invest and save more money, you might need to be better with your habits and behaviors, not, been, not being told what to do, but how to. It's been the name of the game since day one yeah. is helping people actually put the, those plans into action. It's so critical to be able to take your plan of your budget if you if you are actually using one and to be able to bring it into your real life. Yes. But so while we're not anti-budget, we absolutely think that you do need a budget. We're not going to call it something else. We're not going to call it a money plan. We're not going to make up some little funny thing and pretend like you don't know that it's absolutely a budget. It's a budget. You do <laughs> you do need one. But we do understand and respect that you might have some mindset blocks here. There's some resistance here. We totally get that. And so this is going to be a great place for you to start. Because if that is you, if you're not a fan of budgeting, then practice these three things that we're going to talk about today. And you're going to notice yourself just improving your relationship with money in a way that you're going to start to be able to work through that resistance. And hopefully you'll be more open to the concept of actually budgeting, sitting down and looking at those numbers and continue to build from there. Yeah. So if you're if you're someone who's resistant to budgeting, using these tips will definitely help you be better at managing money so that you can start doing whatever you want with it, saving, investing more money, paying off some of that debt. But as you start to get those results, you'll probably have an itch to be better than what you're already doing. And then budgeting is going to be the thing that you need to be doing next. 
in this process so that you can be even more intentional with your money and start getting faster and better results. All right, so here we are. Here are the three tips on how to be better with you managing your money, even if you don't use a budget. And so number one is to be money mindful. It's about awareness with your money. Money mindfulness is one of my favorite things to talk about. It has been something that I wish we were better at social media, honestly, because we've been talking about this for years and we just are so bad at social media. Uh, But this is one of the first concepts that I ever started to talk about was money mindfulness and how just genuinely the ability to check in with yourself and to be very conscious and intentional with how you're using your money on a day-to-day basis is so critical. Yes. You don't need to know anything about your personal finances and how much is in your bank account and what's in your budget, anything to practice this. Money mindfulness is literally just you being present in the moment and having a level of consciousness, a heightened level of consciousness when you spend and use your money. Yes. And I think I, I, can, I can feel some resistance out there. You might be poo-pooing this saying like, it just feels very obvious, but we don't do this enough in our day-to-day life. Most people don't do it at all. Yeah. They, I mean, they sw- especially when you get into the digital it, currencies, credit cards, swipe and swipe and swipe. They don't do it at all. Exactly. And so we we have all these habits that we've adopted over the years. If you've been, you know, if you've been working for 10 years, you have 10 years of habits of spending your money and we're just doing things out of habit. Going through the motions. Yeah. And so by paying attention, I mean, seriously, just be aware of how you're spending your money makes a huge difference. I can't tell you how many clients, when we come into that first session, they start saying things like, I just started paying attention to how I was spending money. And I realized, well, that wasn't serving me anymore. Or you know what? I was kind of being wasteful over here. And I already started making some micro changes before our first session. And it's all because of money mindfulness. They're just being a, paying attention. Just literally just paying attention is a game changer because the other thing is to while you're on this kind of autopilot mode of just like going through the motions and you're not really thinking enough about how you're spending your money. And we're not coming at you either. Like it's just how it is. It's just right. how it is. This is what we have seen with everybody and why they end up coming to us, right? Why you, if you have credit card debt, then yeah, you do this. Uh, you know, if totally. you're not saving as much as you want. Yeah, you're doing this. So not coming at you at all. But the thing of it is, is like, not only do you need to be more intentional and more conscious of how you're using your money, but you really should start to put yourself a little bit more on the defense because marketers are coming at you from every single angle. And I mean, God love them. I mean, without them, like the world wouldn't go around. Like we need to know about the things that are available to us, et cetera. But when it comes to using certain marketing tricks and tactics to get us to buy things that we don't necessarily need, they are magicians. And so we need to be really careful and really mindful of just being able to check in with ourselves and say, do I really need this? Is this something that's actually going to add value to my life? Or am I kind of falling victim to a marketing ploy here? Or am I just being really emotional and I'm, I'm seeking something else? Like, Money mindfulness is really just going to help you to understand yourself on such a deep level and then really align how you use your money with what matters most to you and pull yourself out of autopilot and be incredibly intentional. Yeah. But okay, so here are three ways that you can really start to practice money mindfulness. So the first thing is going to be to give yourself a 24-hour pause before making a purchase of something that costs say over $100 or some sort of limit for yourself if it's something that's especially a want, not a need, um, to give yourself that 24-hour buffer zone 
to make sure that this is really something that is is right for you to buy right now and you're not just acting out of you're not just responding to marketing you're not just you know making an emotional decision but it's actually something that's right for you another trick that you can do is just to be aware and have a self check-in like really the whole idea of this is to be present with yourself be aware and just really say like is this something that i want is this something that's going to add value to my life is this something that you know, is actually not just serving me in the immediate, but something I'll enjoy a week, a month, a year down the road, something that actually is worthwhile and and good for me. Yeah. And I'll be so bold as to ask yourself just straight up, why do I want this? Yeah. You should be honest with yourself about that question. Why, why do I want to buy this? Yeah. And, you know, and justify it. I mean, there's nothing. I think this world has gotten a little bit weird. Like, I don't have to justify anything. You know, I can do what I want. Yeah, you can. But when you act like that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Well, and you only have you only make so much money. Yeah. And so you're cutting that pie. Yeah. Every time you make a purchase and it's going in a lot of different directions. And if you want that, if you want the slice of pie for saving and investing and doing good with to be bigger, then you have to start asking these questions. about Every purchase that you make has an opportunity cost. So when you buy that thing, if you can't justify it strongly enough to where it's worth not being able to do something else with that money. Right. Then you shouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. If you cannot justify it enough to say, okay, I'm willing to use my $100 for this, but that means I can't use my $100 for this other thing, then then you don't buy the you don't buy it. Right. You know, so if you have to be that super honest with yourself. Exactly. Um okay, and then the third tip for imp- for practicing money mindfulness is to use cash. So we're not talking about the envelope system here. I strongly dislike the envelope system. It's a lot to manage. It's chaos. It's chaos. And so unnecessary. Um, and it can be kind of hard to to really keep track of. But when it comes to your grocery shopping, I'd say gas money. Um, you're spending money. Yeah, your you're, you're quote unquote walking around money should be cash. Because it keeps you very limited in how much you can actually spend. So it's right. really going to automatically keep you within a, uh, you know some parameters here. But also, it helps you actually improve the money mindfulness because there's that ability to actually see the money going down in value in your wallet, in your purse, right. whatever. That $100 so, becomes 50 it becomes 20 it becomes a dollar. Yes. So you, you watch that go become smaller and smaller. Yes, which is incredibly hard to do when you only use your credit card. It's called decoupling. Your brain actually cannot connect the dots between swiping that credit card and the reduction of resources, i.e. money in your bank account. Right. So that's a really powerful thing that people don't recognize when we're stepping into this world that's more and more digital currency. You're really losing the ability to have that connection to your resources and to have that connection to your, your wealth. And so... Using cash for these sorts of categories, it's the least complicated way to use cash, um, but it's really going to help you increase that money mindfulness. Yes. And really, you can get very far with money mindfulness. If you just stopped here and you just worked on money mindfulness for one week, you could make a huge impact right you, away. You'd at least make a lot of really strong observations yeah. about yourself. You might not make the change yet, but you'd make some really strong observations about yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really step one. The next tip uh, here is to be a good steward of the things that you already have and your money itself, right? Think of this as like responsibility of all of your stuff, right? If I'm taking care of my car, then it's going to last a lot longer and I don't have to buy a new car in the future is would be the first thing that comes to mind. 
Yeah, absolutely. Taking really good care of the things that you have is a great way to be better with your money because then you're not having to replace uh-huh. constantly. We talk about this in one of our blogs about 14 ways to save money and the environment. And we talk about stewardship and repairing things before we replace them, reusing things, repurposing things. Those are all really good ways to decrease how much money you're spending. And one of the best examples of this, honestly, which is not necessarily taking care of something, but using what you have is food waste. Yeah. Well, food is one of the most expensive categories. Ex- yeah, I was going to say expense, but yeah, it's 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 one of your biggest expenses every month. And on average, people waste 30% of their food. So for every $100 you spend at the grocery store, average person is throwing away $30 worth of food every time they drop a hundo at the grocery store. That's crazy. It's psychotic. And it's really, really sad. And it's it's hurting your bottom line. Yeah. It's just really hurting your bottom line. So you have to wrap it up. And so by really focusing in on just your food waste alone, you are going to save so much money. Uh-huh. And that's really got a positive impact on the environment. There's a huge carbon footprint for all of that food that's been carted all around the world. Yeah, they had just to grow to get it. To you. They had to get it to you. Yep. Yeah, just to get to you and then to get thrown into the bin. So like it's personal responsibility on a whole lot of levels, but it actually hits your pocketbook. And so that connection is so huge. And that's a great way to be a good steward of what you already have. Mm -hmm. The next thing is kind of in in line with that is avoiding single use. So I was actually quoted in an article. I think it was Yahoo where they were like, what's the worst thing that you could do with your money? And it was buy single use. That was what I said. I said it was absolutely buying single use things. You are spending money with the full intention Of throwing it away. Throwing it away. Yeah. And unless it is medically necessary, it's just, it's so, it's such short-term thinking of just like, oh, I just have like this immediate use, so let me just use this thing and then I'll just throw it away when I'm done. And it's, sure, it's, it costs less up front. Definitely does. Single use costs less up front, but environmentally, the cost is exorbitant. Right. Like, what's the point there? That doesn't make any sense for the environment. And again, for you, the cost is extreme as well because you just continue to have to rebuy, 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 as opposed to if you just say, I like to use the example of water bottles. So if you bought a Hydro Flask, 35 bucks, right? Bomb water bottle. It's going to be around forever. 35 bucks. Okay. Or you could just buy, you know, $1.50 a pop or a dollar. Single-use water bottle. At the end of the day, you have a ton of trash. Yep. And you still just have to keep buying bottles of water. Yeah, I mean, if you just bought one bottle of water a day, and at the end of the month, you could have had a hydro flask, and you could be filling that up at the water fountain and your with your own water filter wherever. Yeah, and the lane, landfill thanks you. Yes, <laughs> you exactly. Know? Like so, for for not having all those water bottles going to the landfill. Um. So. It's just such a great way to be a good steward of our planet, to be a good steward of this earth that we've been blessed with, but also to be a good steward of your financial resources. Yeah. Single use is kind of an extreme example of the next thing, which is making sure that you, you buy high quality items. Because when we buy cheap things, so it's not as bad as single waste where we know or single use where we're going to just throw it away immediately after we use it, but buying cheap things that eventually are just going to break down and we got to throw away anyways, buying high quality, it's going to be a higher cost up front to you. But over the long run, you're going to start to save money. Yeah. My two favorite examples for this are fashion and furniture. So fast fashion is one of the biggest pollutants of our environment, polluters of our environment. 
And it's just outrageous that because it's in style, because of whatever, some fad, et cetera, we're buying these things from companies like Shein and H&M, and it's all garbage. It all falls apart in no time. They don't have very good practices, like on a human rights front, but definitely on an environmental. And you're just constantly replacing, replacing, replacing. And so that's why things like a capsule wardrobe or buying pieces that are extremely high quality, but also timeless, is a huge financial hack. It's such a hack. Well, and then you save the time for not having to go to the store and buy clothes every oh my God, every I six months shopping. because I mean I literally like my uniform is just a plain my t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, my life uniform is a bunch of plain t-shirts. Oh yeah, I am Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, and so I have like you know <laughs> yeah. t-shirts that are five years old. They still look good. They're they're getting there. But anyways, the point is it's like I just grab I wear the same thing all the time and it's really simple well, and it's it was timeless. A, if it was an old navy t-shirt that was five years old, people think raggedy. But when you buy a high quality T-shirt that's five years old, it does not look raggedy. That's the thing. Right. That's what we're saying. Your T-shirts can be five years old and they still look good because you bought quality. You didn't go for quantity. Yes. And you didn't get something stupid with a logo or a saying or something that like very obviously dates you, you know. So Uh it's just like it's such a big hack. And then, like I said, furniture. People love to buy Wayfair and all of this crap that just falls apart. Right. It's made of particle board, not real wood. It's nonsense. And even that, though, like the prices on those seem to be just encroaching. Whereas you could go to thrift shops, antique shops. God forbid you talk to a carpenter uh, to bo- to build you something that is an heirloom. Right. You'd be passing that thing down. You would literally be passing that down. Yeah. And so that's just you. Not only would you never replace it, but you would pass it down. And your kids and your grandkids would treasure that. Right. You know, and so it's just like people just need to be thinking more of this long term. We have to build that ability to think long term to be able to be really good with our money. Yeah. And to be good stewards of this world. So, yes, definitely thinking about stewardship as a responsibility. And I love how you said it there is like thinking long term, because the more I think about like, oh, if I buy this and I have to replace it, even if it wasn't a single use, but in a year or two from now, I know like, oh yeah, if I just buy this cheap thing, it'll get me through for now. But then I know I'm gonna have to replace it in a few years. Think longer than that. Like, can you can you wait a little bit longer to make a purchase that could last a lifetime, if not longer? That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Especially when you buy antiques because they've already lasted a lifetime. Yep. And so the last tip that we have for you is to practice gratitude for the things that you already have. Yes. Gratitude is something that I think people don't think about enough. We talk about it a lot in terms of, at least in like the wellness space, et cetera. People just like talk about gratitude very loosely. But really, gratitude has such a profound impact on your overall happiness and well-being, especially when you start to focus on things that actually money can't buy. Right. That's really the key. It's really the key is focusing on things that money cannot buy. Or the things that just like are so precious, but we take for granted. Like one thing that I am constantly showing gratitude for is clean water. That is just something that every time I drink a glass of clean water out of my Berkey filter, usually <laughs> in my hydro flask. <laughs> but it, no deals associated with those brands. <laughs> no, definitely not. But um, clean water is one thing that I think, especially in America, we really take it for granted, but it's not even available everywhere in the States. You know, people have to worry about how potable their water is right. and how health, how healthy it really is for them. And so if you have access to, to clean water, that is such a 
is such a necessity for life that when you can be grateful for those sorts of things, clean air is another one. Mm-hmm. When you can really start to just deeply, deeply connect to and understand how your life is so good just because you have these simple necessities that you're used to taking for granted, instead you actually show gratitude for it regularly, it will shift your whole life. So yeah, so how does it, how does gratitude practically play into your finances? Well, I see, I see it going two ways. The first one is that studies have shown that people who practice gratitude experience the same increase in happiness as someone who could double their income. So think about that. Like just by practicing gratitude, you increase your your happiness at the same level as someone doubling their income. So without even having anything else in your life, adding anything extra, you can experience a lot of happiness. And then the second thing that I really think about, and this is something that I know that the two of us experienced, and we started to see that this is not uncommon at all, is that as you practice gratitude and you start to focus on the things that you actually have, you stop thinking about the things that you want and yeah. you, and then you stop spending as much money. Think You definitely stop thinking about what you don't have. Right. And then when you stop focusing on the things you don't have, you're not thinking about buying them. Yeah. You're not, well, the way I like to really phrase it too is like you stop seeking happiness from outside of yourself. Yeah. Because that's what so many people are doing when they're spending money unconsciously, when they're spending money to fill a void, Mm -hmm. is they're seeking happiness from outside of themselves. Yeah. And it just, it isn't there. I guarantee you it's not there. And so it's some, it's some deep wisdom. It's some learned wisdom and, you know, take it or leave it but it's real. I mean, that makes sense how it ties into the gratitude can create as much happiness for someone as doubling their income. I was just about to say yeah. that. Yeah. So you can kind of, you can really see how those two things just kind of, they really play together nicely. Yeah. It's how we've been so happy just living on less and the sense of being able to focus on experiences and, you know, for forever with like why we were able to save so much back in the day and invest so much and get ourselves to where we are was because we could actually live on far less and be very, very happy doing it, mm-hmm. living that simple lifestyle mm-hmm. and still living that simple lifestyle so that we can continue uh, living our dreams and it's and working on our dreams. And so it, it all comes back to gratitude. It very much does. It really, really does. And so so you can really see how like you don't need a budget for any of these things. Money mindfulness, being a good steward with your money, practicing gratitude. None of those require sitting down and doing the math at all. But each one of those is a tool that you can have in your financial toolkit to be a lot better at managing your money so that you can use your money in ways that actually bring value to your life. So you can use all of these tools to be better with things like paying down your debt, investing and saving more money without sitting down with a pen and paper and actually be better with your money. Yeah, these three tips can really take you such a long way. And this sort of content, these views are really what make us so different from so many people in the finance space. It's really what sets us apart and why we really want to encourage you to take advantage of this offer that we have for $500 off of our financial coaching program for couples. Because this is the type of stuff that we integrate into that. Yes. That nobody else does. Nobody else does this. Like if you've listened to our other podcast episodes where we talk about how to manage money as a couple, if you've listened to this episode, obviously, and we're talking about the actual habits and behaviors and the mindset shifts that are necessary to be good with your money, 
Those are the things that really set us apart from the other people who are just going to hand you a checklist of things to do that all have to do with your budget and debt and saving and investing. It's all so far disconnected from who you are as a person and how you live your life Mm -hmm. and what it actually looks like to live it out. That's what makes us different. And so we don't want you to miss out on this because like I said earlier, we don't do this. We don't do this discount. We don't do this promotion. Prices have only been going up. I mean, for the past, yeah, but we really want to make this accessible to the people who are maybe on the fence who have felt like they couldn't quite afford the higher price. We're opening it up so that you can get access to this. It's a 90-day program or a 12-week program where we're going to walk you through soup to nuts how to build that roadmap and make it something that you actually connect to, something that's right for you and aligns with the life that you want to build. Not what I want, not what Dylan wants, what you want. So the link is in the show notes. Complete that application today, like Dylan said. You won't regret it. We look forward to meeting you and getting you going on this journey. It's going to be so fantastic. But that's everything we really have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. One of the easiest ways that you can help support this podcast so we can reach more people is to leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We always are interested in what you think about this podcast. And if there's something that you'd like to hear in this podcast, let us know in that review and we're happy to take suggestions. So until next episode, I'm Dylan. And I'm Rebecca. And we're we're Rad Coaches. Coaches.